Hello, and welcome to the CFO Corner. I'm your host, Nick Ezzo. In the CFO Corner, we sit down with CFOs and corporate finance professionals to hear about the innovative approaches and technology they use to scale and grow their organizations. They share the challenges they're facing with mundane, repetitive tasks, and they give their takes on what they'd like to see in corporate finance that can help CFOs achieve a stress-free working life. I recently sat down with Janelle Gorman, the CFO of York IE. Janelle says, you can't automate relationships. You can't automate human interaction and collaboration. Janelle helps us understand the role that technology plays in the lives of finance and accounting teams. She also describes what the CEO and the board expect from the CFO and how data and insights make the finance team an integral part of a company's growth. As part of the new generation of finance leaders, Janelle Gorman is responsible for financial reporting and analysis, compliance, and financial operations to support and drive York IE and their portfolio company's growth. Welcome, Janelle. First question, how has the role of the CFO changed in the last five to 10 years, and how do you see it changing in the next five years? Yeah, I think the CFO role, I mean, what it's always kind of demanded is accurate and reliable data. I think that that demand continues to increase over time. So data is ever more, from what I can see, consumed and applied in real time to make key business decisions. And that's especially true in the startup world or fast, high growth companies where decisions are made rapidly. They're made all the time. There's a lot of pivoting and changing. And data is the best basis to make those decisions from. And the companies are looking to CFOs to supply that data in real time. Uh, Financial statements are just the tip of the iceberg. Um, We're really diving into KPIs, analytics, trends analysis, projections. That's really the data that fuels a business. And I see that growing. Thanks for that, Janelle. I appreciate it. Uh, Let's switch gears for a quick second. How long do you or your team spend preparing for an audit? It depends. I mean, the goal really is to be working on it year round, to be kind of maintaining a steady state of readiness where you know that your information is accurate and reliable and you can provide support to uh, document that at any time. Um, Records really should be at your fingertips. So invoices, vendor information, you want to be maintaining those records throughout the year. So when they're needed, if by an auditor or somebody else, they're ready to go. Um, and compliance and accuracy needs to really be an ongoing effort. Um, that will shorten your time in preparing for an audit. Um, but you know, it, it also is, is important to make sure that at all times you're provide, providing data that can be used and relied upon. Um, I think if you wait to prepare for your audit until your audit comes, then you're going to spend a lot of time preparing for that audit. Um, you're going to be searching for data, spending a lot of time putting together schedules and um, documentation that they're looking for, and you risk waiting to find errors until the 11th hour, um, and then you're trying to fix errors at the same time as preparing for um, for the audit, and that's really when kind of the fire drill starts. So we, you know, we try to make sure that we're spending a little bit of time all the time in preparing for the year-end audit. Great answer. I love that. So let's move things around a little bit more and talk about hiring, attracting, and retaining talent. Janelle, what are some of the challenges you faced in building the finance and accounting team at York IE? I think finding the right people is um, really difficult. And that's probably true for many roles, but especially back office, because it's such a broad skill set that you need. Um, You need folks that are going to be collaborative, motivated, um, and efficient at their work. But they also have to pair that with the ability to work independently, to be reliable, and to be really detail-oriented. So that kind of scope of detail all the way through strategic thinking is hard to find. Um, 
and hard to build your team around that. I think you know accuracy and compliance come first for sure, but that's not enough. Um, you can't just have someone that's willing to kind of spend the whole day in the weeds um, and then try to punch out. We need to know what to do with that data once we have it. And you want your entire team, whether it's an AP clerk, your controller, your CFO, to always keep that big, um, big picture in mind and know how their detail work is going to apply to the strategy. Because that's really where your finance team makes a big impact. Um, having such a broad scope of work can often lead to burnout. So building a back office team can be difficult, especially in the startup world where there's so much work to do and such a rapid pace to get it done. You don't want your teams burning out. So I think in order to achieve such a really broad scheme of work um, without burnout, you've got to look to things like um, automation and other ways to make people's jobs easier so they can get them done in a realistic time frame. Let's drill down on that for a little bit if we can. Um, so as you're hiring people, what are the qualities and characteristics that separate the best finance people from the rest? Yeah, it's really those that can achieve that broad scope of work. So they can accomplish accuracy and compliance without burnout, and they're efficient and effective in their work. Their work can absolutely be relied upon. That's huge. But then on top of that, they maintain passion, integrity, motivation for their work to keep going. They have time on top of getting all of the detail work to grow, to grow in their role individually and also contribute at a corporate level. So not just to get the work done and you know kind of punch out for the day, but the best finance people say, okay, here's the data. Here's everything I know about what we're doing. Here's what I think we can do with it. Here's a trend I've noticed. Here's how I think we can apply it. Hey, it looks like we might need, you know, we might be coming into some cash flow issues, whatever it might be, but the best finance people really hang on to their work to find those trends and they're motivated to contribute to the bigger picture in that way. So if you could wave a magic wand and solve one problem in finance and accounting, what would it be? Yeah, I think it's this concept of there's just not enough time in the day. Um, You know, the scope of work that finance can take on um, seems to be getting bigger and bigger to me. Uh, It's not just, oh, you know, have so-and-so from accounting get this thing done and, and you never really have to interact or talk with them. It's, hey, accounting has data that we need to draw conclusions on and run the business. And if you spend all your time kind of, you know, being a nerd behind the computer, you're never going to have the time to to do that strategic stuff and get the most value out of the finance team. One way you can look at this, at solving this is to add manpower, but that comes with a lot of other responsibility. You spend your time managing people rather than getting to the strategic um, initiatives that your team really needs to to be tackling. And it doesn't really help balance efficiency and accuracy. And those are two of the main pillars that you really need out of your finance team. Um, So to create more time in the day, that magic wand, I think is really automating high volume transactions. I hear all the time, you know, this work isn't necessarily difficult. It's just tedious. It's just time consuming. If I could just get it done quicker, if each transaction didn't take me you know, three minutes to process, which doesn't sound like a lot in a microcosm. But when you're fast growing um, and your transaction volume is really high, three minutes per transaction eats up a lot of time. So I would solve for more time in the day. um, But if we could solve that for the inverse to get things done faster, we could kind of make that up in the end. That's right. I mean, we really only have 24 hours in a day, right? 
But let's talk about forecasting cash flow. How do you think about the challenges of cash flow forecasting? Yeah, cash flow is tricky because so much of it is based on timing. So when we go to predict a PL to make forecasts, to make budgets for the year, I can kind of predict what are our customers going to be spending with us? How many customers do we think we can bring in based on our headcount and other inputs that go into that? But it's really difficult to predict when will my customer pay? Will they pay on time? Will my new customers select um, monthly billing or quarterly billing? When does the cash actually come in? And that's different from when is the service provided and revenue recognized. Um, on the flip side, when is a vendor going to be paid? That can be tricky to predict. I might know I'm going to spend X dollars on a certain service throughout the year, but am I paying for that upfront? Am I paying for that quarterly? You know, some subscriptions are annual in advance. That makes a big difference to cash. So I think timing um, is one of the biggest challenges on cash. And um, in order to predict that, you can see how a cash forecast file will end up getting really long to start to think not only of what's going to happen in the business, but what timing do we predict to happen? Um, those the, That can make a forecast file uh, really big. Well, now, a minute ago, you mentioned about the pillars, two pillars of accounting and, and finance, and one of them had to do with accuracy. So Janelle, how concerned are you as a CFO that there are errors lurking in your financial data? Yeah, I mean, it's a concern. It's something we definitely always are solving for. I don't think the goal is to eliminate 100% of errors in our data. Um, that would just be all too time consuming. And um, we talk about a balance between accuracy and efficiency. So in, in striking that balance, we know we might have some errors that slip by. Um, I think really the, the two ways that I tackle um, the risk of errors is by materiality, which really just means, is this error large enough to have an impact? Of course, that's subjective, depending on who you ask. Um, the, other, the other way that we tackle errors is to look at risk areas. So what's the risk that something in this area is wrong, whether it be cash, revenue, expenses, or otherwise? And then we can really focus our efforts to reduce errors based on materiality and risk. Um, I think, you know, you start with prevention and that's establishing great internal controls, uh, segregation of duties and processes that prevent the, an error from happening in the first place um, and reduce the opportunity for those errors, which can be done by manual checks and balances or, or even better automation. Um, if an error occurred, right, then detection and correction becomes the next really big hurdle to tackle. Um, and that's, We've got to find it and fix it quickly. Sometimes if an error is based on a flaw in a process, that error can grow over time. They're not always um, a one-off one thing. So um, review and analysis, of course, is a great way to be detecting and preventing errors. Um, but higher volume either require more time um, or more automation to reduce the opportunity of error. Um, and that's really critical um, for a CFO or anybody in finance to make sure that that accuracy is maintained um, with a good reduction of errors um, for no material errors. Well, I, I think that's very insightful that there are errors and there are material errors and not all are created equal. So last question before we move to lightning round, what does your CEO and the board expect from you and by extension, your team, Janelle? Yeah, I think foundationally, the finance team is expected to deliver compliance and accurate, um, accurate data. Not only that, but the data has to be compliant and accurate, and it has to be usable. They have to be able to consume this data in a way that can be applied to the business, in a way that 
drives the business towards its strategic goals and initiatives. And so I think from the CEO, from the CFO specifically, um, they're expecting meaningful collaboration from the finance team and from the CFO, which is really broad, right? But I think each executive leader is expected to drive the organization towards its goals. And each executive leader has kind of a superpower in doing that. I see the CFO's superpower as data, right? It's compliant, it's accurate. Um, it has historic financial performance and trends. It has quantitative reasoning, um, it has financial projections and tolerances, um, similar, you know, similar topics to that. So, you know, the CEO and the board are expecting a collaborative leadership team and an all hands on deck kind of effort. Um, and finance can provide that through really great data um, that can be applied in countless ways. That's awesome. I, I've never actually heard it described as the, the CFO's superpower is data, but it makes a lot of sense. And I, I like that uh, metaphor. So let's talk about some of the most disruptive technologies that you've uh, witnessed in, in your career, um, including recently. So, you know, can you expand upon some of the disruption and, and the, the technological disruption you've seen in finance technology? Yeah, I think um, automation has been extremely helpful. Um, and I think a lot of companies are adopting this already at some level. Um, but the potential really is, is fantastic here. So kind of what has already been adopted easily that maybe we're not even paying attention to is electronic bill pay or even just using a cloud-based ERP system where we start to use machines a bit and trust machines for some of these processes. Um, the automation potential in AI and machine learning can, can blow that out of the water, right? The, the potential there is huge. Um, I think the next steps and some that I've seen pick up in my career is memorized transactions, prepaid um, amortization processes, pre-programmed revenue recognition schedules. Um, these are the things that when you get into high volume and an automation, an automated process can help, the benefits just really take off. They're easy to see from day one once you implement some of these things. And I think those are getting adopted more and more. Um, I think what could be really disruptive and it, it's coming or it's here for some and maybe not all is that um, automating a process fully end to end where a human didn't necessarily set up each one, um, each transaction type, um, the automation can do it for them end to end. I think volume of transactions, like I said, as those increase and a, and a computer can take over some of that, that's going to be really disruptive um, and hugely helpful. And I think computer-based analysis and, and a call out of risks or anomalies is going to be um, absolutely incredible in making an impact on how the finance function um, operates and contributes to the company. So the potential there is huge um, for a computer to tell us something that a human mind certainly could figure out, but would take so much time to do. And a computer can do that thinking and that processing much faster for then a human to come along and just absorb the information that that computer has given it and then make decisions based on that rather than doing the full process themselves. Well, since we talked about that, let's drill down on that. The flip side of that, um, are robots going to take away finance and accounting jobs? Uh, no, I do not think robots will take away finance and accounting jobs. I think they're going to enable finance and accounting jobs to be what finance and accounting professionals want them to be. And that's strategic, that's goal-oriented, that's really impactful to the business. 
I hear so many times in my career, you know, I, I just have to get through all of this and then I can do the analysis. I just have to enter all of this stuff and then I can provide my conclusions and recommendations for the business. Nobody really enjoys those tedious tasks of getting through the tedious work. You know, a lot of the finance and accounting professionals want to flip to the, the results part of it, the contribution part. How can we grow? What can we learn from this? And so I think computers will enable us to really um, develop a finance organization into um, the potential that it could be to, to drive business forward. Well, let's keep talking about that for one more minute, because if robots are not going to take away accounting and finance jobs, are there things, in your opinion, Janelle, that a robot will never be able to do? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, you can't you can't automate relationships. You can't automate human interaction and collaboration. And I think that that's some of the most valuable things that a finance team and a CFO can bring to an organization. Um, I think those won't go away, right? And And there's a lot that finance does that isn't just paying the bills or paying payroll. And it is, you know, for some people that aren't in finance, that can be hard to see, but there's banking relationships, there's insurance relationships, there's cross-collaboration between departments, there's um, pricing and strategy discussions. There's so much value that a finance team can provide to an organization um, that computers will never take. Um, computers will just help us to be more proactive and um, more resourceful in that regard. Well, thanks, Janelle. And there you have it. That's our conversation with Janelle Gorman, CFO of York IE, on this episode of the CFO Corner. On behalf of everyone here at Auditoria, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you on the next one.